This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. From APB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Tab, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. So on Money Talks, we're here to answer your personal finance questions. Between your phone calls today, we're going to be reviewing some frugal tips and try to decide whether they're worth it or not. You can contact us by email. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. We don't always get to the uh, emails during the show, but uh, Nancy or Ryder will always reply if you do send a money uh, an email to money at mpbonline.org. So as usual, we're going to start the show with talking about some financial news in the news. Nancy, we'll give you first shot. Well, it is political season, and suddenly we're starting to hear talk about budget deficits and the government debt that's outstanding out there. And I want to make sure people understand that the deficit is what happens from year to year. And a deficit means that we are spending more than we are collecting. And we only collect taxes and fees to cover about 75% of what we spend on a national level. So that leads to that deficit and those deficits accumulate. And so now we have an overall national debt of over $33 trillion with a T. So that's a big number. It often frightens people. But if we look at what composes the five biggest um, categories in that spending, it's going to be Medicare, Medicaid, defense spending, Social Security, and interest on the debt. And certainly interest is rising, but the government has locked in a lot of lower-term, long rates, so that helps them a bit. But what you see even in defense, that a lot of it is health care, the VA system. So really what the government is spending on mostly is health care. And we had a bright spot this morning in that we are getting information that Medicare is slowing down as far as its spending. And um, we were spending about over 13000 a person in 2011. That is now at just over 12000 and it had been projected to be over 20000 So we were all just scurrying in a panic. But at the same time, nobody seems to be doing anything about it. And we don't know why it's slowing down. Um, are we getting healthier and and so we're not having as many chronic issues and big diseases and heart attacks and things like that we do know covid may have played a role because some of the people sadly who were in the worst shape may not have survived that period of time but all of that means there's a slowdown and maybe a chance that they will start talking about these longer term budget issues because understand those five things that i mentioned most of that is automatic, and that was set in policy many, many years ago. And uh, so just uh, tweaking around the edges is not going to fix the problem. All right. Good morning, Ryder. What do you have for us? Good morning. And I just wanted to add to that. We spoke earlier uh, earlier in the year about the, the debt limit deal, and, of course, that can change 
<laughs> at any time. Um, but part of the idea was kind of a longer term, a slightly longer term, not very long term cap on spending. So I don't know if that will have an impact on uh, these huge numbers Nancy is is talking about. Um but uh, we are just past the Labor Day weekend, and that was a big deal for us in our office because we use, if you listen to this show for a long time, you know that we have used TD Ameritrade to custody clients' assets. We don't custody them ourselves. We don't touch the money. It is at a large third-party custodian broker-dealer. That is who uh, has the account. That's where the account is. That's where the trades are placed. They're responsible for keeping up with all of the records of that account. They were purchased by Schwab. This actually started in 2019. Um, they were purchased by Charles Schwab, which is another large custodian. They have finally merged. They have finally merged their institutional operations. So that's a big deal for us. Basically, over the weekend, we just it kind of went 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 dark for us on Friday, and it's opened up. Uh, well, I guess yesterday with uh, under a new website. So this is a big deal. Um, they have merged to create the second largest custodian of their type. And that's a custodian that kind of serves retail customers, serves folks who are the end users. Um, you can go to Schwab to open up an account yourself, or you can go through an advisor or something like that. But it's not, it's different from, for instance, a broker like Merrill Lynch or Morgan Stanley, where you have your account through somebody there. Uh, there's always going to be some sort of middleman there. Uh, Fidelity is the largest. Uh, the largest custodian of this type. They got very large because of their 401k and mutual fund business. So that's kind of their specialty. Uh, Schwab has always had a, a particular focus on those end user clients. So that's kind of a big deal for us. Uh, it's great for the consumer, I think, because Schwab's always kind of been a leader in cutting costs. And in fact, this is one of the things that led to uh, the merger is they were cutting costs. They were cutting the costs for the end users. They're generally speaking, people don't pay commissions to buy buy and sell stocks. They have very low commissions to buy and sell bonds or mutual funds. So they've been very good about pricing for that end user customer. They've been very good about simplifying things for them. Uh, so for them to be growing, for, for them to be larger and bringing that, you know, kind of doing good by the end user uh, to the industry, I, th- I think that's a great thing overall. <clears throat> so the uh, outlet mall in Pearl was having some sales yesterday, so I decided I would oh, no. <clears throat> head on over. <clears throat> Uh-oh. And when I was at the uh, Puma shop, I noticed that uh, there were three pairs of shoes that were I knew it. <laughs> the same, <laughs> except for the color. There was a red pair, there was a blue pair, and there was a white pair. Mm-hmm. So I was looking around. I couldn't find the uh, the pair in red. And so I tried on the blue pair. And so then I asked, you know, about sales or whatever. <clears throat> but anyway, <clears throat> the blue pair is the newer pair. So the blue pair was more expensive than the red pair, even though the shoe was exactly the same other than the color, which I thought was somewhat interesting. But, I mean, you would think if the shoe had been improved in some way, it might be worth more. But just the fact that it's a newer version um, – I don't know. Well, all real Americans want all three of those. Well, that's true. Uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, maybe they were Did just a very unpopular three? one. Fortunately, 
The cheapest pair was the red pair, which they found my size in the back. So I was able to buy the cheap pair of shoes. Maybe that's just an unpopular pair. Let me let me check his shoes real quick. Well, no, this is these are the no, shoes. No, they I, are not. They are not red shoes. No, He's not they, wearing his 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 Cinderella uh, shoes tonight. Those are those are primarily for walking. So I'm going to hold those off for a little bit. But this, the sh- pair of shoes I have on now, I also bought at the Puma Outlet store, but it was at the discount uh, rack. So I got a good deal on that. So. Coca-Cola branded Puma shoes. Two of my favorite things merged together. How how could you resist? Incredible. And it's all shoes all the time. Well, I, I, there, there wasn't anything else he was looking for, Nancy. I'll, let me say this. The shoes I'm wearing now, the Coke shoes I bought because I thought they were cool and all that sort of thing. The shoes I bought yesterday were practical in that the other shoes I used to do my walking in had kind of worn out. And it... Gosh, Ryder, I think he's rationalizing this expense, don't you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. We've dealt with this behavior before. It's yeah. Just, also, we, we, we try really hard, Nancy, but we can't, we, we can't save them all. Also, I went to every shoe store in the mall, and I think I got Of course the, you went to every shoe store in the mall. I think I got the best deal, so... <clears throat> Uh, so we'll, we'll end it on, on that happy note right there. So <clears throat> this is Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder, ready to answer your personal finance questions today. We're also going to review some frugal tips and decide whether they're worth the effort. But we do have a a phone call on the line. So we'll say good morning to William, who called in from Starkville. You're on the air with us, William, so go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, I'm calling. I'm uh, I'm 39 years old, and uh, I have a a son who's in seventh grade, and my wife and I, we're just at a point where we're, we're not really sure what the best thing to do financially in the next five to ten years um a little bit of background we have two own cars uh no student loans we have about thirteen thousand dollars in credit card bills um and it seems like every time we pay something off something new happens so we just finished paying all three credit cards and we had to have an appendectomy and so now we have a big hospital bill our cars are getting really old. We want to buy a house one day. We have no savings. <laughs> and so uh, it's one of those things like, well, what's the best decision? Try to pay off the hospital bill, pay off the credit card, try to save for a house. I'd love for my son to have a house to graduate from high school mm. and then go to college. But at this point, um, it seems like whatever decision I make, and that's how it's been for the last five, ten years, it's always been the wrong one or something else happened. So um, some kind of advice would be appreciated. <laughs> Yeah, uh, thank you so much for calling, William. That's uh, you are not kind of alone in your situation and questions. I know there's a lot of a lot of folks out there with with kind of similar or at least relatable in some way. So thank you for asking that question. Uh, one thing that stands out, and I'm sure you know, you brought it up pretty quickly, is the thirteen thousand in credit card bills, uh, the hospital bill, things like that. 
Um, credit card debt, we love credit cards as a tool, but uh, they carry high interest rates very often. That I uh, would look at that interest rate, see what that is, unless it's super low. I've seen some people with incredibly low rates, but most of the time, I think Nancy pointed out the average has gotten up to 20% or, or more. I'm not sure what that is right now, Nancy, but that could be a really, uh, really a lot more expensive than it looks. Uh, so working on building up emergency savings is always what I recommend is folks first step and it's it's difficult I know when you have like you said it seems like every time you kind of get above water then then something else happens um but start identifying what's a way I can put aside an extra 50 what's an extra $50, an extra $100, and slowly work your way up building up that um, that savings. Of course, right now you're also going to want to pay down that credit card uh, aggressively. No student loans is nice. Um, that's for folks who do have student loans. I know those can be very mentally burdensome, but they are not. Uh, they, the repayments on student loans have started back. That is a big deal happening this month as well. But the repayment terms are usually pretty generous, and it is possible to get kind of forbearance on some of those if you are in a difficult spot. So if other folks do have student loans, that is probably not your priority. It sounds like you do have some goals in mind, of course, buying a house, hopefully uh, in the next uh, few years so that your son would have a, a, a home that he would be living in when he graduates high school, when he's heading off to college. Uh, that is a that's certainly it's good to have those goals. It's good to have that motivating you. Um, and so what I would do is look at all of your expenses, look at all of your income and all of your expenses and say what expenses are important to me, what expenses are leading me towards my goals, and what expenses are not important to me. What what expenses are taking me away from my goals? You know, am, am I uh, eating out too much? And that's not something that I care about, and it is keeping me from uh, paying off this hospital bill or something like that. Um, and then also, Look at the income side. Uh, for some folks, especially if you've just kind of been sitting in a job for a long time, a little bit stagnant in a job, but you, we are in a labor market where uh, changing jobs, moving to a different employer, moving within an employer to a different, if your uh, organization is large enough, just to a different role, there is a lot of opportunity for you know capable, motivated people to change their employment status in that way. And that on the income side, you know, you can cut expenses all the time, but if you cut them to the bone, then the other lever you have to pull is your income. And there's, you know, stay, stay, keep looking out on the job side and see what is available because that might be uh, the biggest thing that you have to pull on. And William, I would encourage you to visit your local library uh, find some books on financial management to get you started. And then, um, in order to do what Ryder is suggesting about looking at your expenses, you need to have a family meeting um, mm, and really yes. look at where are we spending our money. And if you can get everybody to buy in, especially if it's, it's the goal of we want to own our own house. And um, everybody can buy in on that. And make it a bit of a game of how you address some of these problems. Um, certainly, that credit card bill, it happens. We do know that um, health care issues are often what leads us to fall into that credit card ditch. But you can do some things as a family and start to build some things up, get rid of the credit card, build some savings, 
look at what you're doing for retirement, get ready because you know your seventh grader is going to be wanting to drive before too much longer, and so that's on the horizon as well. So you have a lot of things. Also, just know this is probably your most expensive time of your life, and so just hang on, do what you can. Um, I'm telling you, once you get those kids out of the house, it, it's going to be a lot easier. All right, uh, William. Thank you. Thanks, mm-hmm. William, for your call this morning. Appreciate you calling into Money Talks. We've got some open phone lines. If you're listening and you have a personal finance question, send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Next on the phones, Bill has called in from Biloxi with a comment about one of the topics we talked about at the top of the show. Bill, thanks for calling. It's your turn, so go ahead. Yeah, uh, Nancy mentioned that no one's uh, know why the cost of Medicare is going down. Uh, the Biden administration uh, has passed a bill or uh, executive orders or whatever to help people with Medicare uh, medical costs and reducing the cost of drugs. And people not only have to pay uh, $35 uh, per month for that coverage rather than uh, Medicare paying, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars for uh, uh, the coverage that they formerly had to uh, pay uh, on the, you know, different uh, people that refused to let the government negotiate the prices of drugs. And I think 10 other drugs are up to be negotiated by way of the Biden administration. Uh, sometimes we don't hear this on Fox News, but the Biden administration has been doing a lot of things to uh, reduce the cost of Medicare and everything else. Thank you. All right, to Bill, thanks for your call. Nancy, as, as Bill said, I guess I did hear something in the news about uh, Biden negotiating with the right. drug costs. Right. Um, and of course, that will help. That has not that does not explain why we have seen a slowdown right now. Um, that has not kicked in yet. Uh, one of the things that this article talked about was that we haven't had these huge blockbuster drugs showing up uh, recently. So when you have a big blockbuster drug and a company, a pharmaceutical company has invested a lot in research to produce this, they're going to charge a lot for it. So um, that can be a drain on the system. We don't know all the reasons. Certainly what uh, Bill was talking about will help slow it down some more. But um, ultimately, we need to just go back and look at our overall expenses. And if we want to maintain these programs, and um, Medicare was started in 1965, it was intended to be Medicare for all, but that was controversial. It didn't get passed. So we did something really dumb, which is we insured the oldest and sickest part of our population. And we have an aging problem here in the U.S. We are getting older, and we're spending more and more of our uh, revenue on that aging population. And certainly, I'm on the cusp of that, too, so I want to make sure my benefits are there. But we also need to make sure we're investing in our younger population coming up. So our list today is frugal habits that might not be worth the effort. And uh, number one on the list says the, I guess the frugal habit is that you don't have any hobbies whatsoever because they would waste money. So you're just, you're frugal because you sit around in the house and I don't know, you watch TV, but it's not that frugal to have like a TV maybe. I don't know. 
but Ryder, we've kind of talked about this before. If you, if you, you, there must be some joy in life. There must be some way for absolutely. you to enjoy, or you, you know, what's the point? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so one of the things that I've got learned more about recently kind of kind of when I when I study you know, why do why is social interaction important why is it important to have hobbies uh, why is it important to have routines it impacts so much of our life and it was actually on one of our medical shows that I remember listening to um, talking about the importance of routines because that makes sure you're in good habits elsewhere if you if you're always you know waking up at the same time you have your breakfast you, know, you have lunch at a regular time you're not you you know when things are out of whack you know when oh that was odd i spent way too much on on food today or i spent way too much on this sort of activity just because you're totally out of your routine you weren't doing uh those hobbies for instance that bring you a lot of joy and hobbies are not do not have to be expensive. You know, it can be volunteering, uh, volunteering for things like a Habitat for Humanity, uh, volunteering for things like an animal shelter. There's all sorts of volunteer activities. You, know, you have to dig around, you know, find find places, find things that you enjoy. But having those to occupy your time, so you're not uh, tempted to just uh, one sit on the couch and waste your life away, or just to say, okay, well, I'm going to fill my time by. Uh, I don't know, say, going to every shoe store in the outlet mall searching for the cheapest shoe. You know, that is that is uh, not so much a hobby, but just a way to spend money. So um, that's the, yeah, that's the importance of those routines, those hobbies, uh, social interaction. It's all very valuable to your life. Well, I'm, I'm going to really, really step in it now, and I'm probably going to get hate mail because one of the biggest, most expensive, Expensive hobbies in Mississippi is hunting. And um, I, I mean, it, it really takes a lot. But if that's important to you, you need to make sure there's room in your budget to do that. And of course, that could be a situation where if both parties in a couple don't enjoy that same activity and one is spending a lot more, then you need to have some conversations or resentment comes into play. But certainly there are plenty of hobbies out there that don't cost that much and you can do those things, um, whether it's just being in a walking group or a book club or sitting knitting, all of those things can bring you great joy. But if you're going to have an expensive hobby like hunting or golf, then you need to have Nancy. I'm really stepping in it. You need to have some family conversations about how the family's resources are spent and um, how you can control some of that so that there is room to save for retirement mm-hmm. and education and all those other good things. Yeah, I, I, will, I will say uh, just a little bit of a milder step back from what Nancy said. Uh, yes, there are some absolutely some expensive hobbies, but two that you mentioned, hunting and golf, those are ones in particular people get so much out of. And I think one of the concerns with any time you're spending uh, spending money is what are you getting out of it? And if you spent that much on hunting, but you didn't really love it, like that's a problem. But if it's, if it's something that, 
And, and if you are into hunting or golf, just because you like buying new equipment, you like buying new guns, you like going to different uh, hunting clubs or to different golf courses, and, it, and, it, and you're not doing it in a way that makes financial sense, that can be a real problem. There are ways to look at a hobby that you love and that you get a lot out of it and say, could I do this in a more financially responsible manner? But again, those are things that people tend to get a lot out of. It's a bigger part of their identity than say, oh yeah, well once a month I go to the uh, animal rescue shelter. I mean, people who are into golf and hunting, it's it's a bigger part of their life. Ryder, have you heard the term uh, hunting widow or a golf widow? Uh, No, but I get the picture pretty quickly. (laughs) Tennis only requires one racket, not a bunch of golf clubs, so I feel good about that. But you have to be, you have to have a court. Well, that's true. But it's a good play. You can play with a partner. And shoes. Good shoes. That's true. Shoes. (laughs) Oh, no, we are. This is a full circle moment, folks. (laughs) Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspective, and Ryder Taff, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. So we're ready to take some personal finance questions this morning. Got some open phone lines. While we wait for your phone calls and between calls, we're reviewing some frugal habits that really don't seem to be worth the effort. We do have a caller on the line, though, so we will go to Byram this time. Kevin has called in today. Good morning, Kevin. Go ahead, please. Good morning. How you doing? Good. What do you have for us today? Yes, uh, I've uh, got a question for you. Uh, I got a uh, – I started my – I got a uh, – Long serving business. I started, and financial wise, I'm success. Uh, you know, good checking. I got a nice amount saved up, and uh, got a real wonderful, good job, good paying job. And I, I got my own lawn service business. I mow yards and stuff like that, landscape. But 95 percent of my yards are down in Holmes County, where I'm originally from. And uh, I, I was telling uh, this man said a few minutes, three seconds ago, I got approved for a John Deere credit line for twenty five thousand dollars. For the help with you know, with my equipment that I need and stuff like that, you know, and I was trying to see do is it good to get the credit line? I just you know use my bank or, or what, what, I mean, you know, I just want to know like some advice on that. Yeah, I mean, if you need the credit, so you're expanding your business, you are buying more equipment. Uh, John Deere obviously makes a lot of uh, lawn care equipment that you might be using. If you are expanding and do need it, then yes, that's a great idea. One thing I would watch out for is if there is, one, a particularly high interest rate. So if they've just kind of offered one out of the blue, I mean, probably because you're a a good customer of theirs. Um, But, (laughs) you know, see, you can see about other places. So check check with okay. your local bank, and if especially you said you've got uh, you've got good savings with them, you've got c- consistent pay coming in from somewhere else. You right. probably have a decent relationship with them. You know they may offer right. you a better rate. Uh, they may also offer you lower fees uh, or just different fees. So okay. you know if you are in need of credit and it's for a business like yours that you've started, and maybe you're uh, not necessarily growing today, but may want to grow in the future. Uh, it's good to right. know that you have access to credit, but 
you that doesn't need to be a cost for you if you're not exactly. using it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So if they're exactly. saying, "Oh, send us yeah. send us two hundred fifty dollars and you'll have a credit line," well, if you don't if you don't really need it, maybe that that might just be two fifty wasted. And oh, they, also, they will very often be willing to finance their own equipment anyway. So that's not necessarily not necessarily just a direct benefit, even if you were looking to buy equipment. And Kevin, yeah, is yeah, this? Like a, said, yeah, I'm sorry, Mr. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Um, Kevin, is this a part-time business, or and you have a full-time job, or is this your full-time work? No, no, I got a full-time job. I'm a truck driver. I just, I just, I actually got a guy that that, that helped me more than to do my lawn work. He, he, yeah, he actually working today. I got two guys that work that do it for me. All right, but you got it's it going. a part-time job for me. So I'm surprised got, you got like, people cutting grass that's so like, dry out there. They gave me the credit line, <laughs> so you know. But I've been dealing with John, with John Deere, excuse me, I'm, and I'm going to be short. I've been dealing with them, I know, 11 years back mm. in home, Stanley, Edge City. But I never applied for a credit line until like, I actually, I actually applied like a month ago. Okay. They approved me. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't accept that this apply, right? And so they sent me a letter, they actually sent me a letter the other day. They was like, I had 90 days to sign if I wanted it. Not, you know, I, I can just, you know, do away with it. So I just, you know. Then I talked to my bank. They were like, "Yeah, you know, we can front you up to fifty thousand dollars." You know, so I'm like, "So why? Well, I don't need no fifty. I ain't trying. To, I ain't. I don't need no fifty thousand dollars for law. Oh, you know." <laughs> well, Kevin, it's it sounds well, like you have a good credit record because you know they don't want to loan you money unless they know you can pay them back. Yeah, so exactly, you you've done something exactly. right here. I've been dealing with my bank, which is located in Bells only. You know, I mean, I don't mind. I, I don't know if y'all mind me saying this is Garrity Bank, you know, Community Bank. I've been dealing with them since high school because I was like 11 years old, 11 grade, I mean. So uh, we got, I'm 43 now, so what, 20, 27, 26 year relationship with them. And they've been good to me. They, they, they helped me from the, from the lows and highs of my life. They, mm. they, they were there for me that much. And I can, I can say that much and I'm, and, and I'm proud to say that about them. They, they, they had helped me a whole lot, whole lot. That's good. I mean, it just you know, demonstrates the value of that uh, a good banking relationship, both on your kind of, you know, your yeah. savings, your loans okay. sides. That's that's awesome. All right. Well, I appreciate it. That's all I had. Well, like I said, I, I may just go with my bank. I mean, you know, I, I you know, I told my wife, and I said, hey, you know, I've been dealing with them. But, you know, it wasn't. I just was, you know, I basically just was seeing what young people go do. And they were like, well, you proved $25,000, you know. I mean, I was like, wow. So, I mean, you know, like I'm finna go out and spend twenty five thousand dollars. I already got uh, three ride mowers right now. I even got those. I, that's how I ended up getting them. And you know, even before I even applied for the credit, I got three John Deere ride mowers. Two of them cost six thousand. One cost thirty five hundred. So I, I, I actually bought those straight out of my pocket and just paid them off. You know, like about a month. So I mean. I guess you know, by me buying more or something and coming in there doing business, I, I decided to apply for the credit line. So. All right, uh, Kevin. Something right. I wanted. Thanks for your call, Kevin. Good to hear from you. Um, this is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kind of a follow-up to uh, what he was talking about. <clears throat> if you're looking for a line of credit, say a HELOC, or an, if you're a business owner, sometimes they offer more than you really originally thought or wanted. So what are some thoughts about how much of a credit line you should go for? Well, understand that if you're talking about a credit line, 
that is just the most they will lend you. So um, for Kevin, they said, hey, we'll give you up to 25000 That's what it sounds like the arrangement is. And usually what they do is give you maybe a card or a checkbook as a way to draw on that line. And so you're only charged interest on the amount that you take from that credit line. So maybe you only need 5000 of it. Then you're only going to be charged interest on that 5000 but you need to make sure you understand what the arrangement is as far as repayment because typically repayment on a credit line is going to be the interest plus some percentage of what you have taken from that line. Um, so uh, the credit line gives you more flexibility than just a straight $25,000 loan because a straight straight $25,000 loan is here's the whole 25000 and now here's your payment schedule to get it back to us. So it, it makes it easier. Uh, HELOCs are often set up like that. Business credit lines are often set up like that. Um, and that gives you the flexibility that you need. We're glad you found our show, Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotcher-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taff, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. You can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Might not get a chance to answer your email on the air. But Nancy and or Ryder will send you a personal uh, response to any email questions that you throw our way. So we're talking about some frugal habits that don't seem to be worth the effort. And last week we were making our own um, lip balm. Today it's making your own laundry detergent. No, no, no. How would you do that? Well, that's one question is what is the formula? Where would you get the ingredients? Is the finished product any better than the laundry detergent that you buy at the grocery store? Well, I will say, and here again, I, I get my best recipes from oh, all no. kinds of things from Instagram. And um, I had a situation where I, I forgot to go by and pick up some in, uh, weed killer. And I will have people fussing at me about using weed killer, but I was. And, um, but I looked online and I found that there is a way you can make your own that's much more natural and it still works. So if, if that's important to you, uh, but frankly, that's not the best use of my time. No. And, and I would say since we're on the topic of laundry, if, you know, if you're buying, you know, taking care and making sure you are buying good quality clothing and fabrics that need to be washed and taking care of them partly by washing them when they need to be washed is one of the best ways to help extend their life. Um, it's all part of taking care of the things you have and treating them well. So, uh, yes, splashing, you know, a few extra cents worth of, uh, of laundry detergent is maybe going to pay off uh, a little bit more than trying to save a few cents on laundry detergent. So uh, uh, I, I don't know that I've ever met anyone that makes their own laundry detergent. So, again, I have no idea how difficult it is and if you need an advanced chemistry degree or anything like that. My grandmother. My grandmother did, oh, but yeah. I don't know what she did. I was gonna, I just remember that ringer washer on the back porch. Yeah, yeah r- Running your clothes through a ringer might not be the best way to take care of them. It might break a few, th- break a few buttons off, but it, it's definitely done. There's some weird corners of Facebook groups where I've seen things like that. All right. We've got a caller on the line, so let's go to Hernando this time. Chris has called in today. Good morning, Chris. Go ahead. Yes, I had a basically an estate planning question. Um, most of an estate is probably going to end up being cash uh, or easily liquid uh, assets, but um, basically uh, before the uh, 
person passes, they did give um, one of their children uh, a large sum of money to do an improvement on a house. Hmm. And just want to, what would be the best way to still split evenly uh, between the heirs, uh, just keeping into account that basically that person got their inheritance early? I guess is without, you know, saying, you know, trying to factor in market value and everything, just that, you know, what was the cash value at the time? If that was not recorded as, say, they did it as a loan that they documented to each other, uh, or if it was not actually, they didn't go and update the will and they said, hey, you know, child one has already received. Ninety percent of what I expect them to get, so you know, kind of cutting them out in that way. Uh, if that's not been done, I, I don't. And and of course, if everyone, if all of the uh, heirs, if all the beneficiaries kind of agree, including the person who received the money for their home improvements, um, if they all agree to it, that's one thing. But otherwise, the legal document of the will, uh, it sounds like from what you're saying if it has not been updated, would still entitle them to whatever X share of that estate. And a couple of things that uh, I would say that uh, when somebody is alive, they can do whatever they want to with their money. And so if you want to give one child a big lump sum, certainly you're going to have to deal with tax issues. Anything beyond the 17000 per person, you will have to report, and the giver will have some uh, gift tax to pay on that. But when you're alive, it's, it's up to you to do whatever you want. And as Ryder said, right. if you don't adjust the will to account for that, and if there's just this family understanding, you're going to go by the legal document of the will, which means whatever is left would then be divided equally unless there is language in there that says I gave this person $50,000 and that there's uh, residual has to be carved out with that. Um, so bear that in mind. And uh, it's the reason, you know, we have a lot of people we work with and uh, that have grown children and uh, your grown children don't all have equal financial abilities. And so often there are these things that go on. And typically what happens with these parents is they dole out money and they keep it quiet. And that's how they handle most of it. But obviously in your family, everybody knows what happens. Um, and you just need to make sure that there is a, a clear understanding about what that person whose assets are, that they, they have those assets now. What do they want to happen when they are gone? Right, and I guess what we're trying to do now is actually update the will, and what would, I guess what would be the correct language to say, like, you know, child one already received essentially early a portion of the. Oh, you know, right. From what's left. So they're still alive. Um, yeah. Uh, that wasn't, a hundred, sorry, that was not 100% clear to me. Oh, well. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, then you could just. Uh, it, there's, a, there's probably a couple of ways to do it. I, I mean, one option is, you know, make it out as a loan. Um, and that it doesn't necessarily require any payments to happen, but there's a loan document that says, okay, well, they owe X dollars back, but then they get X percent share, uh, because of course the value of the estate can still fluctuate a lot. Um, but you could just say, okay, they will get, say, say there's four heirs, uh, 25% minus 
$50,000, which has already been given to them. Um, I would you right. probably right. worked with a lawyer to get that will written in the first place. Uh, they will have some fairly standard language, and they will also be able to think of the kind of any other things, any other places that need to be updated uh, to make sure that, that that's reflected and that it is uh, done in also a kind manner. I have seen lawyers put language in uh, to say to the uh, – to some effect of, you know, I, I'm leaving so-and-so out of this will. It is not because I don't like them, uh, essentially. Uh, so, so right. yes, the the original lawyer who wrote the will will be able to help update that very well. Okay. All right, uh, Chris, we appreciate your phone call this morning. <clears throat> Let's stay on the phone lines. Next, we'll go to Gulfport. Lincoln is on the line. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, I just call... Um, uh, I just heard Nancy talking earlier um, about the national deficit and how health care is, uh, you know, one of the big contributors. But I, I'd like to say that, I mean, e- even though these are big expenses right now, it's nothing like the last 20 years and the war on tariffs that we spent trillions of dollars overseas. And I know some people are upset that we're out of Afghanistan, but I'm I'm absolutely happy that we're out of Afghanistan and that's all shut down. So um, I think... You know, our big deficit is a war on terror, killing, killing the enemy. And um, and second thing is, is a lot of companies out there use uh, public benefits as a part of their business plan. Uh, road crews, they do layoffs in the off-season in the winter. Maybe not down here in Mississippi, but in up north. They lay you off during the off-season. The one thing they'll tell you is, hey, contact unemployment. So unemployment pays for three months out of your year. So... Um, yeah, so there's a lot of things contributing to our deficit, not just uh, not just our war wounded health care. I'm not going to take mm. health care from a war wounded. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't I don't agree with that. But yes, I did mention that uh, defense is one of the five that is uh, draining our budget and our revenue. Um, so all of those things need to we need to have conversations about. All right, Lincoln, we appreciate your input on our show this morning. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Let's wrap up uh, the show with one more from our list of frugal habits that aren't worth the effort. <clears throat> and this is that you're a DYIer. You do everything yourself. Um, I guess my thought on this would be that's helpful, but if you get in above your head, you might actually be costing yourself more money mm. than you're trying to save. Yeah, be be comfortable and know the things that you're not going to be good at. Know the things that maybe you've put off for a long time. I'm talking to myself here. You've put off for a long time saying, oh, I can I, I can fix that. And uh, three months later, you know, maybe that faucet is still dripping. Maybe, maybe it would be. And it's not necessarily the dollars. It's also the peace of mind and the confidence that it's done. Nancy, any thoughts? Well, um, we do a lot of DIY projects ourselves at my house. And uh, I think you just need to know what you can tackle reasonably and produce um, a project that looks good and when you need to bring in the professionals. And so we've got one project right now we're talking about where my husband says, I think I can do this piece, but I need help with this other piece because it requires more than what I can do. And also, uh, we're hitting the point, Kevin, maybe you are too, where you're just like, I can't physically do those things that I used to do. And so it becomes more important to, to bring somebody in to do some of the heavy lifting so that you don't end up in the emergency room. 
Uh, you know, I also would say that um, you want to know what your limitations are because you certainly want to wouldn't want to buy a bunch of supplies, lumber, wood, or was something for a, a project that you thought you could do and then, you know, you can't. So then you're stuck with a bunch of material uh, that you probably won't uh, be using. My dad, unfortunately, was often bit off more than he could chew. And so I think he passed along his not friendly tool nature to his uh, children. Uh, But I also will say that if you know that you aren't very good, you find a friend who is very good at that sort of thing. Yeah, there you go. you borrow their expertise frequently. (laughs) Pull your skills and your resources. That's right. That's right. All right. That is going to uh, wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. If you need to hear today's show or a previous show, one place you can find it is moneytalks.mpbonline.org. Or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.